buying behavior has changed. Prospects don't click on links and emails anymore, and they don't watch the videos you spend hours creating every week. Instead, send personalized gifts and memes using Vidyu. You can quickly create engaging, personalized content that immediately grabs your prospect's attention, helps you stand out in the inbox, and does it all without forcing them to click anything or go anywhere. Head over to vidyou.io slash salescast to sign up for free and spend less time getting your messages across and more time selling. In the world of sales, you either sink, swim, or break through to the next level. My name's Colin Mitchell, and this is Sales Transformation, a new kind of sales show designed to bring you through the epic, life-changing moments of elite sellers so you can experience your own sales transformation. All right, welcome to another episode of Sales Transformation. I am very excited for today's guest. Uh, I have Karen Kelly. I was actually uh, had the pleasure of going on her podcast before, which was a ton of fun. And now we're going to flip roles here for a minute and we're going to dig into Karen's story, uh, pull out some learning lessons out of there. Um, if you don't know who Karen is, she's known as a passionate results driven sales expert specializing in the art and science of sales. Karen, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Awesome. Thanks so much for having me, Colin. Excited to be here. Yeah, yeah. I'm very excited to learn a little bit more about your story. So um, take us back. Like, where did your sales journey begin? Oh, gosh. Get ready. Get a get a cup of coffee and once upon a time. <laughs> 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 you know, oh, my sales journey, and I, and I don't like saying that it kind of came by accident like most people because I'm mm. a very intentional person, but there's it's a bit of a split. It, it was a little bit by accident, but when I knew I wanted to do it, then there was strategy behind it. Um, so just if we rewind back a little bit, you know, growing up my whole life, I was pre-med. I was, um, wanted to be mm. a doctor from a very, very young age. And I studied, you know, biology and biochemistry and everything medicine. And, uh, I remember you know, my dad was in sales. He got into sales. He was in service and support. And then he moved into sales at around 40. He worked, uh, with HP. And I remember in third year university, I got a call and um, he said, I won this president's club again and um, your mom doesn't want to go with me. Do you, do you want to go to the Cayman Islands or the Virgin Islands? Oh, wow. And, and it was almost like a burden. He's like, oh, I won this thing again. And I'm like, oh, poor you. Um, yeah. And I'm in third year university, you know, poor, tired from exams. And I'm like, is this a joke? Because <laughs> I'm not stable right now. So if it is, it's not a funny one. Anyway, yeah. long, long story short, I went on the trip and um, I really was exposed. I, I didn't really think about sales or know what it was. I always, I had my path. It was very linear in front of me. And so I saw, you know, what, when you were successful, what you had the ability to do. And um, I also saw a lot of his colleagues were asking me, like, how does he, how does he win every year? How is he so successful? <laughs> and they were, they were genuinely, they wanted to know like his formula, his recipe, and they were kind of taking out notepads ready to wow. take notes. And I remember thinking like, I was 19. I'm like, I don't know. I don't even know what he does. I'm just here on a oh free vacation. Gosh. And then I just, all I knew was what he was like as a person. And I said, you know what? He's a good person. He's honest. He's trustworthy. He does the right thing. You know, he mm. helps. And, and that was, you know, now knowing what I know now, 
that was the recipe that made him successful. And so there was no magic bullet. So, you know, that trip kind of planted the seed for me of, um, you know, it just got me thinking differently about what sales was. Yeah. But I still, it's still, you know, I didn't think it was a career path for me. So that was kind of when I was 19. And then I went into the uh, finished school and um, wasn't ready to go to med school or go, go corporate yet. So I actually became a flight attendant. And um, the reason was that is a lot of my friends were taking a year off and traveling. And I, I love to travel, but I thought I also want to make money. So how can mm -hmm. I do both? And I was bilingual. So I thought, okay, let's... Uh, Let's try this flight attendant thing. And I loved it. It was so much fun. And I did that for four years. And I remember the second year, I was I was kind of like getting an itch. Like the fun, you know, I wanted to stimulate my brain. You know, I went to school. I studied. And I was like, I need a little bit more. And then I dabbled with teaching. <laughs> the story gets longer and longer. And uh, really loved the teaching aspect. Um, I, I was teaching back in the day. It was in, in Canada. We had OAC, which was grade 13 science. And I loved it because at that point, they were just hanging on my every word and they really needed me and then the content I was sharing with them to get to, to, into university. So I just, it was very rewarding and very satisfying. But what dawned on me with teaching was I remember, you know, backing out at 3.30 or seeing other cars back out at 3.30 when the bell rang, yeah. you know, and I was prepping after I was coaching volleyball, basketball, and I'm pulling out at 6.30 and I'm like, hang on a minute, but we're making the same amount of money. I'm like, uh, this doesn't sit right with me. So I remember then the sales thing kind of came back to me and I thought, I am not afraid of hard work. And I, and I just thought I want to be paid for my efforts because like I will be the last one, like Will Smith on the treadmill. I'll be that girl that's grit and like doesn't give up. Mm. So then I just said, let's, let's do this. Let's, uh, so having kind of married the, the medical background um, with not deciding not to go to med school and, and really that, that reason was like, I saw so much of the world through travel that I, I kind of chose life. And I thought I, I really love the adventure, the freedom, but I still want to be in healthcare and I want to help. And so I joined a medical uh, healthcare company um, in a customer service role because I, I didn't have any sales experience. Mm. And so this young 20 year old was like a, a warrior saying, you know, is this a direct path to sales? <laughs> and they're just like, simmer down this is an entry level into customer service so <laughs> th this young girl who didn't want anything to do with sales once i got the seed planted in the idea and i already had that future state waved in front of me i was like i want this and so now mm. i really wanted it so then i started you know being very strategic and intentional with how can i and i didn't want any so it's any company i i really had to believe in the product and i felt i wanted to feel like i was doing good and so i was i took my time and I found a great company and I stayed with them for the first five years of my career. And, uh, and that was the start of my sales career. Wow. All right. So a couple of things, uh, going back to the free vacation with your dad, <laughs> who's winning president's club once again. Yeah. Uh, did you have no idea how much of a badass he was or what? You know, and he wasn't even a badass. That's the thing. He was just, uh, he was winning presents called World, not even North America. Like this guy, wow. he was just a good person. So that's the irony. He wasn't a bad, he's a physicist. <laughs> There's no badassery there. <laughs> he's a badass now, but he wasn't then. And so yeah. I just remember thinking, it, it, I was intrigued. I was like, a lot of people want what he has, but there was no silver bullet. Like then I was like, what, what is it he have? And he just honestly he was a good person and he did the right thing and it's that's kind of the boring answer 
But yeah. I, I think when you look at sales now, for a lot of it, that that's what's missing. Yeah, because a lot of what was taught previously is kind of the exact opposite of that, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so interesting. So then from there, didn't quite have the sales bug yet, but you had a little bit of exposure like, oh, this is, you know, free vacations, kind of nice. Like, um, and then from there, um, you know, after, after university, um, getting to travel while getting paid, you know, nice experiences there. Um, then going to, into education. Um, and so at what point before taking that, you know, so you mentioned that once you realized that you wanted to get into sales, you were very intentional and strategic about it. What was that shift? Like, what was it at what point, you know, from being in education to taking that customer service where you're like, okay, this is what I want and here's how I'm going to go get it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good question, Colin. You know, it, it was honestly feeling a little bit undervalued and just, mm. and I, I think the belief wasn't there because I was, I don't know, 21 or 20, I was young. And I just think when I saw the impact I was having on these high school kids, they were like two or three years younger than me. And I saw because I played, you know, volleyball all throughout high school and university, I was changing their lives, both professionally, mm. like on the academic side and uh, growth and confidence. And I thought that helped instill the belief in me. And, and had I not had that impact and saw the transformation I was having, I might not have had the courage or the desire to kind of take that to the next level. And I just I wouldn't have said I would have settled because that's not who I am, but yeah. it might have taken me longer to make that realization. So I think just seeing like almost, you know, God, I'm, I'm doing everything. And I'm there was a bit of, j I was jaded a little bit. And I just said, I need to... I need to make this right. And, and it didn't waste a lot of time for me when I get something, it's, it's like, I'm, I'm done. I'm acting now. So it was a quick yeah. turnaround and then it's like, okay. And it's not, how can we make up for lost time? Cause there wasn't a lot, but then I was hungry for it. I was like, okay, now how can I, that's when my competitive edge came out. I'm like, I'm going to get this and I'm going to be amazing at it. And I'm going to be where my dad was. And so once I got the seed, I was like, I'm running with it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so did you try to get a sales job and strike out and then f figured out that customer service was maybe a good place, you know, to get started or how did that happen? You know what? Uh, this was, I remember applying in the paper every Thursday. <laughs> so dated yeah. in the Toronto star, there was like, um, it work replaced it, but every Thursday the job things would come out. And I would just, it's a two years experience. I had no experience. And, and my yeah. sister was in HR her whole life. And she said, Karen, like you need to start in, in customer service. Mm -hmm. And I, I had a bit of this entitlement. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm not answering phones. And she's like, well, you don't have any sales experience. So you don't have a choice. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to start, you know, answering phones and taking orders. But, you know, in hindsight, it was a great learning because it taught me the breadth of the organization. It, it, I was able to see all the different departments and how they come together. So I remember when I did get into sales, I had all those internal relations built. So, you know, when, when they hired someone externally, that onboarding, that that um, navigating the internal complexities, I was way ahead of them because I was like, mm. oh yeah, I just called Jan. She's in there. Oh, she's off because it's her son's, you know, confirmation today. <laughs> I'll do it. So I was, I hit the ground running because of that training. Yeah. So, you know, it's kind of like, be careful what you wish for because it was so eye opening. and um, I did it. I didn't love it, but I knew it was a stepping stone and I really 
tried to embrace the learning in it and say, well, how can this prepare me for where I'm going to be? It's not forever, but how can I use this to my advantage? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then what you say you spent five years there. What, uh, what did you do throughout those five years? Well, uh, so it was 14 months in customer service. So when I joined, I remember saying like, is there a direct path to sales? And I remember everyone just kind of creating this really unattainable high up, like nobody can enter behind this curtain, <laughs> which was sales. It was like this dark room. Yeah. And I was like, well, now I really want in it. And uh, they're like, you know, you definitely have to be in the role minimum two years and it's not for everybody and we don't. And I just thought they're probably doing that to weed people out and to see who really is hungry for it and will you know, stick to the process. And I remember doing everything. And I, I worked with the account managers. I did projects. I went to trade shows. So I got in in 14 months. And I just said, two years, whatever, I'm in. And, and then I closed the largest deal a company had ever had in 2005. Wow. And I just thought, you know what? Here I am. Look out. And, and the lesson there is don't let anyone, you know, crush you or say no. Because so many people that don't have that belief would just stay there, go back to their desk and wait out the other eight months. And I'm like, you fueled me. You made me want it mm. harder. And I will just show you. And I just left no rock unturned. I made it impossible for them to say no to me. And that, that never left me. That desire to always push, um, push myself, you know, that's why I had a great and very successful career. Where, where do you, it's very interesting. Um, I'm intrigued by this for a number of reasons, right? But yeah, I mean, somebody tell you you can't do it just gives you the feel that you need to, to go do it and, you know, show them, right, <laughs> what you're made yeah. of. Where does that come from? For you, it seems like you kind of were built with a lot of determination um, based on, you know, kind of what I've learned so far about your story. Um, where, where does that drive? Where does that determination uh, come from? You know, Colin, I would say, I, uh, you know, I'm one of four, four girls. And so it was kind of like <laughs> fight for everything, whether it's your last meal or, or not to be made fun of at the dinner table. But I just, uh, you know, we grew up, um, not a lot and I just, everything I had, I had to work for. Mm -hmm. And so I just, I, I'm not afraid of hard work and I love to win, but, yeah. but, um, I, a lot of people would say, well, you know, what are the odds of winning? And I'm like, who cares? Just put yourself in there and give it your all. Like just leave nothing on the table. And part of that also, I was, I ran competitively. And I can definitely say there was a correlation be between leaving no gas in the tank. And I know we talked about our marathon running days and just how that spilled out to life. And mm. I just thought, I'm okay losing, but don't deny me my chance to bat. Yeah. You know, and that's what bothers me when I don't get a chance to show and to really work for it and get that competitive edge out. I just, it's, it's just unjust. You know, it's like everyone deserves a chance. So when I got it, I'm like, look out. And if I didn't get it, that's okay. I would learn. My ego would definitely take a hit round one. But round two, I was like, I'm in. Like I've learned. I took the learnings. I put it back and I would get it maybe round two or three. And as you're doing that, you're continually adding and building. But you're also really getting in tune and becoming more self-aware as when do I have it? What situations am I kind of failing in and why? And I remember leaning into that and going like, what, what's, am I holding myself back? And oftentimes it was, you'd get in your mm. own head and, and maybe it was a belief thing or maybe you were up against, and this is both in life and in business. 
And I just, the older I got, I just realized to let that go. You know, I can't control that and all I can control is me. And that there's that fire. I'm responsible for my own fire and I have a real intrinsic fight in me that I will, there's a warrior, whether it's a mom now, um, a business owner, but I will go down fighting. Mm, I love that. Um, so, I mean, I think the biggest thing there, right. And, and this is such a, a, I'd say important skill. If you want to be like an elite seller, right. Is not being scared to fail, mm-hmm. you know, uh, because if you're scared to fail, you, you don't get your bat or you never take your shot or, you know, and if people that can get over that are willing to test and experiment and push themselves further than they thought possible, um, which can lead to, you know, very successful, um, results in whatever it is you're doing, you know, in your role. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree with that. And I think, you know, I'm more willing to fail now as an entrepreneur and a business owner that I, I don't think if or when it's, it's not if it's when, but it's yeah. part of it. And if you're yeah. not willing to fail, then you can cross off your willingness to succeed as well, because it's all part of it. Right. Yeah. And, and I think sometimes people just that language and the word failure, they attach it to their self-worth or who they are. And I'm like, that's just part of it. And that's just feedback saying, Hey, mm. good effort. Maybe <clears throat> early, maybe the timing's wrong or maybe the customer's wrong, whatever it is, but maybe keep that in your back pocket and play it later, but it's just not for right now. So I just think, get the ego out. That's ego, right? And it's just yeah. like, I say, thanks. Thanks for, you know, making me aware and, and doing a course correct. And uh, now I'll know different for next time. Yeah, it's, it can be tough for sellers, right? Because, okay, so, you know, you don't get the results you're looking for. You don't win the deal, whatever the case is. Maybe there's some things to learn there. But there's also the possibility that you could have absolutely done everything right and the best mm-hmm. in the best way and you still don't win. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, and that, you know, yeah. the thing that you mentioned is and a lot of sellers can struggle with that too because they tie like their self-worth to their number or the results mm-hmm. that they do or don't get. Mm-hmm. So how, how does somebody find a, a good balance <laughs> with, you know, um, is there something to learn or like, did I actually just give it my best shot and it just wasn't a good fit, wasn't good timing, whatever the reason was, you know, move on, try to learn something from that experience. Mm -hmm. You know, I I think just for me, I was very reflective after even a a call, whether it was a call or a loss or or even a one opportunity. And I really wanted to be prescriptive because if I, if I can't identify it, label it, then I can't repeat it or not repeat it or avoid it, right? Yeah. And so I, I think when I just sat quiet and, and removed the bias, because sometimes you're like, I totally dropped the ball there. And, you know, I'm willing to own angle. You you overspoke in that meeting. Yeah. You talked complete BS or whatever, you know, whatever it was. But I, I was not, I was aware enough and I was honest enough with myself because I wanted truth that I, I, I was, I could analyze. So sometimes I was like, you know what? Um, that would never have happened. These guys... They don't have the budget or mm-hmm. the change management's not there. So I, I didn't take it personally because I think every situation is different. And if you can look at it clearly, remove emotion, remove yourself from it, you can see. You can see what it was. And sometimes it was you. Sometimes you never also, you never find that answer. So you have to kind of let that go and say, well, you Ooh. know, maybe in time I'll find out. Yeah. But, you know, you got to be okay and you got to detach 
easier said than done, but detach from the outcome when you can't figure it out. And just when it is obvious, what can you put in place to prevent it from happening again or to continue doing it because you actually were the contributor to, to the positive side of it? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that there's, I mean, what I'm hearing you say, a lot of the, you know, successes that you've had, you know, through your journey have been contributed to like, you know, seeking to get better, not being, you know, scared to fail, um, but also having that level of like self-awareness and willingness to be reflective, which can be uncomfortable for a lot of sellers. Like, you know, they don't want to look at why we didn't lose that deal because, um, they're not, you know, willing to sort of face it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it wasn't always like that. I got to say earlier in my career, you know, even getting feedback, I was cringing. Right? <laughs> but, you know, everybody says um, they love feedback until they get some feedback that hurts. Right? Totally. <laughs> I mean, even now, you know, you ask for the evaluations, you're like, uh, but, you know, it's it truly is the only way to get better. So I, definitely in my career, I didn't have um as polished a muscle um, in the reflective phase, but as I continued, I definitely wanted to get better all the time. Like the, and it was just against myself. I just always wanted to be uh, in, constantly improving, you know. And I think when I, I studied Lean Six Sigma, and that's what it is. It's continuous improvement, right? And that's that's the model I adopted for myself. I just never wanted to stop growing or learning. Yeah, yeah. I think anytime, I mean, any seller thinks they've got it all figured out, they're in big trouble, right? I mean, you've, I see it all the time, sellers that think they, um, you know, have <laughs> figured it out and have nothing to learn. Yeah, well, it's just a fixed mindset, right? And it just doesn't serve you. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so tell me a little bit, um, after, you know, spending time there, when, when did you eventually um, start your business? I started my business around four years ago. Okay. And um, I actually, the idea came to me on maternity leave. My first mat leave where you're supposed to, you know, enjoy being a mom and <laughs> take things, well, I was just take things slowly because it's not, nothing slow about it. But I remember starting reading a book. It was called Mom Shift. Uh-huh. And the seed was just planted. It was definitely timing, but something changes in you. When, when I became a mom, it changed in me anyways. And I had that kind of warrior. It's like, what can I do now? How can I... The sense of purpose became very, um, you know, top of mind for me. It's like, I, I now have a legacy. Like, I have a kid. What, what am I going to do differently that's going to make them proud of me and just see myself in a different light? And so I started uh, having, you know, just building content. I didn't even know what I was going to do. <laughs> I started writing content, writing modules. Obviously, all I knew was sales. And then um, I guess three or four years later, I pulled the pin and I just went on my own and um, never looked back. Wow. Such an interesting way to get started, right? Like... I feel like content is something people wait too long to get started with. And I don't know why. I mean, I had 20 years of stuff built up inside me. That's all <laughs> I knew. And I, I think what held me back or what maybe didn't allow me to come to the realization of what I wanted to do was when you look at, you know, a hard skill, like my mom was a nurse, my sister was an engineer. They, they identified it. People will be like, what are you? And I'm like, oh, I don't know. I'm a salesperson. Like I didn't have any real mm. something that's hang my, you know, put my flag in the ground. But people, you know, would always fly me in to, to do presentations. And if they were losing a deal, they'd fly me in. And I'm just like, I was kind of the, the closer, the, the Hail Mary. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking, 
why why are you like why can't they do it like why are you this is their job why are you like i'll do it but like i don't understand why and i guess i was a little naive and you know and then i thought well maybe i could turn this into a business people are actually coming to me they're seeking this so there's a gap but because it was so second nature to me i i was kind of like you don't want it you don't know how to you don't want to I, why i don't understand <laughs> I, just, I eat breathe and sleep but that's all i know so then i thought okay let's uh let's turn this into a business Okay. And so tell me a little bit more about the business. Like what, you know, type of work do you guys do? Um, the clients that you work with, what are they typically struggling with and what do the results sort of look like after doing some work together? Sure. So, you know, I worked B2B my whole life and I really enterprise sale, you know, committees, long sales cycle, 18 to 24 months. Mm. And it was very strategic. And I can probably say on one hand, how often I received sales training and sales coaching. I didn't get any of it. Wow. So I, I really self-developed um, myself because of that desire to always get better. And I, I think what I see in, in companies is they often mistake product training for sales training. <laughs> and, and it's just, and that's all I received. And I'm like, well, where's the positioning? And this is great, but like what problem are we solving? And these kind of questions never came up. And so, you know, now what we do is we, we work with, you know, B2B, Pretty, a lot of our customers are tech, but we do, you know, fintech, we do um, pharma, met healthcare, we do uh, pretty much enterprise complex selling. And they come to us for various reasons. But the common theme is that when you look at flow, they come to me where the choke is or where it's stopped. And they're like, this is the problem. Yeah. And, you know, when you, when you really kind yeah. of take that prescriptive lens, that's the symptom. And it's like, let's just back it up two or three stages. And you're like, this is the problem. Or, this is a possible problem. And, you know, this is why. So you start asking the questions. And then, we, you know, we really look at process. So, you know, what are you following? And that, that's kind of where we start is do you have, a, you know, a, a dedicated, repeatable process that everyone's following? And, and most often they don't. And now they haven't modified it to, you know, reflect the, the current environment we're working in. So it's like, well, how you, it's, you can't just retrofit and say, well, now it's virtual. And it's like you got to build it from the ground up mm. based on how your buyer's are buying where are they finding where are they meeting you so i think people it's like a house it's like you can't just retrofit it you got to start from the ground up with your buyer in mind so a lot of what we do starts at that by defining your buyer's journey and then really aligning their sales process with it based on what they're doing but also based on the gaps that were existing that we found before and saying well we can't continue to do that let's let's redefine it let's get your team involved but also understanding some background so why why was that happening like why were people skipping the step why were they deviating and oftentimes it's like this is a redundant step you're dealing with people and that they're, they're thinking this is stupid why are you making me do this mm -hmm. you know and, and i know back in corporate there was a lot of that and i'm just like oh, i'm not doing that that's just ridiculous or let, let's ask for you know let's fill out salesforce let's do an account plan and can you send it to me in excel spreadsheet i'm like no i'm not like you know, you have to realize you're dealing with people. And so work with these people. They're the voice of the customer. They're closest to the customer and find out what, what's going on. What are they actually doing and what are they avoiding and why are they avoiding it? Right. Because it shows that shows where your process is flawed, but it also shows what kind of team you have. And when you can lean into that team and get their input and collaborate with them, you know, that's that's the culture. And you're creating a culture of inclusivity and of continuous development. So that's kind of a little bit about where we encompass the training part, but also the collaboration that, that leans then into the coaching, 
you know, because I think when you look at sales training, some people come in and they do this one day <laughs> Tony Robbins event and you're just like, that, that was motivating on a Friday, but on a Monday I show up and I'm like, I don't even remember what we talked about. Yeah. So there's, there's no change coming around there. So it's just then building on that and how can you reinforce it? So how can you either coach the coach and really give them the tools the schedule, how to coach their team to drive the change, or, you know, they bring me in as a kind of strategic partner and I'll work with them to coach their team to, to get them where they need to be. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I love so many things about that, but the one thing that I love most that you said was starting with a couple things, actually, I can't just pick one thing. I'm going to have to pick two. Uh, the first thing there is, I think what I've seen, you know, a lot of people is, is trying, you know, they love the example of trying to retrofit the house, right? Like, okay, this is what used to work. And now we're just going to change some things and do it virtually. Um, and you're saying, no, you got to start from scratch and rebuild it. Right. Which I don't think there's a lot of people thinking of it that way and they should be. And then the second part is mapping out the buyer's journeys. Right. And that could be different for different personas potentially a little bit. Um, and then building the sales process around that. So many sales organizations get stuck around trying to make the buyer's journey map to their sales process. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and they won't. They're not going to follow you. You got to follow them, right? And the way they buy is different. And 92% of them would prefer virtual than face-to-face. -face. Yeah. So what are they doing? Where are they going? How are they doing it? And it's, it's, it's a new way of thinking, right? Because so much of what has been or was or still is to this day taught in sales is the exact opposite of that, right? You're supposed to persuade people and get them to, you know, do these certain things. And, um, and it goes against that, right? So I think it's a lot of people are like, wait, I've been being told to do things a certain way for my entire sales career. And you're telling me that it's wrong and I need to do it totally different. <laughs> I know, I know. And that, that's what, you know, allows me to stay employed is that, <laughs> yeah. you know, some people will say, you know, you know, say, what's your objective? My objective is convince them that this, and I'm like, you're never going to convince them. Yeah. Like, remove that word convincing. Like yeah. you have to educate them. You have to share insights. But yeah. if you're trying to convince them, you're going to convince them to stay away from you. Yeah. They'll just tighten their grip on status quo or whoever they're using right now. Mm. Yeah. So you're like, okay, you know, all of you other sales coaches out there keep teaching that stuff and it keeps job security for you. <laughs> right, right. Well, it's even sales leaders, right? Mm. It's people that, you know, this is what we're, I kind of have to chuckle that sales leaders that don't go outside for external support. Yeah. And it's, it's what, it's all they know. So are they getting the latest and greatest? Are they bringing in the gong.ios? Are they bringing in all these data points to, to support where we are today? Or are they still in the 1992 binders from, you know, the global, it's just a joke. And it's like, yeah. so they don't know any different, right? But then that continues downstream that their, their team is still oblivious. And that's why they continue to use the words convincing and, and be very seller focused and pitch immediately without seeking first understand it. It's to an, to an extent, to a large extent, it's what's coming from an, uh, from above them. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Uh, well, this has been a lot of fun. Thanks so much for, for coming on the show. Any final thoughts and then where can people that want to get into your world? Okay, thank you. Final thoughts I would say, Colin, is that, you know, it's incumbent upon us as sales professionals to take our future into our hands. So if for whatever reason your company is not supporting you and they're not giving you the 
you know, the Salesforce Navigator budget, the, I don't know, any course you can get, take the $300 a month and invest in yourself. Um, don't be afraid to spend on that. And I think it's just, this is, this is you, you're developing you as a person. And so the stronger you are as a person, that's going to spill over into your professional world. So that's the first thing I would say. Um, and the second thing is just, I think a lot of people start at the behavioral level. They start like, I'm going to do this, especially in a new year, I'm going to start changing this back it up and start with the belief mm -hmm. because uh, the behavior level is going to be short-lived because willpower will only take you so far. Really look inward and say, what, what, uh, is there a bit of self-sabotage going on? Do I believe in myself and my abilities? And that's that belief will influence the behaviors and that will drive the results. So I would just say really believe in yourself. And if you don't, lean into why what's holding you back whether you can get that awareness on yourself you can talk to a friend a mentor but i, I a lot of the behavior stops because the belief's missing and um and where can you find me you can find me on uh, linkedin you can uh, k2 perform is uh the website and uh, i also host the k2 sales podcast so everything kind of k2 <laughs> you can find me Great. We will drop the links there in the show notes for everybody to check out the podcast, LinkedIn, your website, all that good stuff. Thanks again for coming on the show. If you enjoyed today's episode, please write us a review, share the show with your friends. It really does help us out. And I'm always listening for your feedback. You can go to salestransformation.fm, drop me a voice DM, and I will get back to you. Hey, you stuck around. That tells me you're serious about your own sales transformation. If you're tired of doing things the old way and want to get started in your journey with other people on the same path, head over to salescast.community and crush your numbers on your leaderboard. Yeah, it's free. Salescast.community. Send me a DM with your best pitch and mention this ad, and I might even give you free access to our best templates.